Today on CityCast Salt Lake, there's a new exhibit opening this weekend at the Utah Museum of Fine Arts called Transcending Time and Space. It was created by my guests today, artists Danae Shandine and David Rios Ferreira. And it asks us to contemplate those we've lost and those we miss. I want to give a content warning today. This exhibit was moved to creation by the crisis of missing and murdered Indigenous relatives. And so we're going to talk about that violence throughout the conversation and in the news section today. It's Monday, March 14th, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Danae and David, welcome to CityCast Salt Lake. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. I'm excited to chat with you about this exhibit. My first question for you is so basic, but growing up, I was not a group project enthusiast. And I'm wondering for you, how was it working together? How did you come to find each other to build out this exhibit together? A lot of my interest in the way I produce my work has a lot to do with my upbringing, um, my mestizo, which is a sort of a Latin word for um, sort of this mixture of my indigenous African and European background. And I'm attached a lot to that, those narratives. And so I look at that when I think about site-specific projects. And while this was an exhibition, I kind of saw this as a public work. And I really tried to find a connection to a people and a community that I can sort of could be like the anchor for the production of work, but also potential collaboration. Um, and upon reflecting around my own queer identity and specifically thinking about narratives that sort of impacted me growing up and while I was on that journey, the story of 16 Navajo, uh, 16 year old Navajo teen, uh, Frederica Martinez or Freddie Martinez, uh, which is a transgender or non-binary individual who was murdered in 2001, um, around the same time that I was entering into my own queer journey. Uh, was always, always lived with me. And so thinking about that and thinking about the indigenous community of Salt Lake and Utah, um, I shared this interest and in thinking about memory and love and loss. And he immediately, and our, our curator, uh, Jorge Rojas, immediately thought of Danae and the work that she's doing um, with the uh, missing and murdered indigenous women and girls community and, and, and the work, all the amazing work that she does and connected us. Danae, what was your reaction when you got the call? I guess just being an Indigenous person, you know, we all have these paired or shared pains and traumas. Um, we come from different backgrounds and there is this interconnectedness with the missing and murdered trauma um, through colonization. And really through this work, you do make those connections and those relations because we do share those same histories. Um, we share the spirit of those same histories. And I think that's what's so beautiful about this connection it's not really so much about the work we're producing but the relationality that we have through that shared beauty that unfolds out of the pain and trauma the exhibit is called transcending time and space and it sounds like that applies to even just the relationship between the two of you and how you came to do this work together can you tell me a bit about this project why what is the value of transcending time and space once we landed on this idea of looking at loss and thinking about reaching those that have moved on and whether taken by violence or otherwise, 
it was, you know, how is that going to look? There's a visual anchor that's necessary, um, especially because we were talking about ways to get the general audience and the community who will be visiting the exhibit and those who were, um, we engaged prior to have a visual anchor that is, um, kind of barrier free, you know, not everyone feels confident quote unquote, making art. Um, so the basis of my work in general has a lot to do with appropriating imagery and appropriating imagery from pop culture to historical references, whether there are, whether they are sort of up, you know, an appropriate re you know, recreation of a moment in history or political cartoons that unfortunately take more stereotypical and racist tropes and taking these, these images apart and tearing them apart and creating something new is a really main part of my practice. And for this project, it was important that the audience have access to that. I thought about, well, what could that, what could that um, object be that we can also be united around? It, it was a circle. Um, and I began to think of that as a gateway and tying this narrative around, almost like a science fictional narrative around, what if we had the ability to take all these parts, which really make up who we are, and create this gateway that can reach these people that we love. You know, what if we had that power? And I'm thinking about, you know, all the stuff you see in the Marvel movies and the sci-fi films. And so Transcending Time and Space actually came out of a quote from the film Interstellar when one of the scientists talk about this idea of love and, you know, how we talk, they, 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 they talk about these notions of time and how time is bent and curved and how they manipulate it in order to travel vast distances in outer space. Love essentially does the same thing. That even after someone has passed, you still have a personal spiritual link to someone that is no longer in our physical space. And that that love can go beyond, you know, our understanding of reality. And so that sort of spawned this whole idea of reaching those we've lost, but also you know, that disability that we have in ourselves to, to have that memory, to hold that memory physically in our bodies. Yeah, that's powerful stuff. Danae, the last time I met your art, it was a photography exhibit. And I wonder, um, in this piece, you it's your writing that is on display. What's it like to write for and with a visual element like that? There's so many different avenues and ways that I've tried to express um, what is going on in our world. And what I love about David and his work is it involves those relations and it made sense to me. You know, we talk about missing and murdered indigenous relatives being so big. It's a big, big energy in our world. And it affects everything. Um, it's connected to land, water, displacement, colonization, imperialism, um, extraction. So all these different things. And when I was talking about in my writing was that when a relative goes missing, um, it creates fractions in our universe. And those things are very lasting. There's so much noise on how to compile this concept and to make sense of this violence and through these portals it simplifies that and it's so it's done in such an indigenous way that it makes sense for me to interpret david's work because we do that when we do um we carry ceremony and we heal we take these 
things that are huge and compounding and we simplify it. It's just so beautiful. Yeah. If I were to um, show up to this exhibit when it opens and I walk in, what would I see? So when you enter the gallery, you're actually going to encounter Danae's writing actually sets the sets the stage for the sense of the spirituality, the indigeneity, the, the, the power of this narrative. And as you walk through the space, almost in a circular way, uh, you encounter about six portals that are made of, um, that are mixed media, painting and drawing that are very colorful and that exist in this sort of very cosmic space, literally like they're sort of floating in the gallery in this sort of cosmic space. And each of them is, um, named, pulled actually from a Beyonce lyric, because, you know, I was thinking really a lot about Frederica and Frederica will sometimes, sometimes went by uh, the name Beyonce. I wanted to just speak to that. So each of the lyrics also speaks to this notion of having the power to move through love and pain. Um, and so you counter these six gateways and then after that, you actually, uh, do actually see Danae's photography work. Yeah. So I, you know, I run a campaign, an educational campaign for missing and murdered indigenous relatives. And, uh, my photographer, my relative, he is the one who provided those images, um, for me, for my family and the healing of my family and the fracture that it created of the loss of my, my auntie Priscilla. It's been a long journey of me healing through being connected to so many relatives daily, weekly, um, who do go missing and that I share a relation with and always the memory and that powerful beauty of my auntie Priscilla. And so all that, you know, is mixed up in how I carry myself as an indigenous person and where I want to be rooted and what place that truly heals me, um, in those fractures and it's home. And so really this is, it's so much more than that. It, it's so much more than, um, being drawn to imagery. I think there's a spirit about it that David and I are just connecting with and it really does make sense. Well, and I hope you don't mind me like sharing sort of my, my like museum experience, which is often, I feel like very classist. Like I see class really viscerally when I'm in the museum experience. And I love hearing you talk about like quoting interstellar and Beyonce and thinking about our, our real lived experiences and our pop culture and how they intersect with how we understand art and how we center art in our worlds. And it's cool that you both have created this portal that it sounds like for me, like feels very accessible. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think art should be for everyone, you know, and I think, I think being able to connect it to our lived experiences is what is the only thing that's going to make it relevant to people. You know, Bell Hooks, who writes a lot about, who wrote a lot about art um, in her book, Art on My Mind, you know, I always reflect on what she call it sort of relating, you know, being able to see oneself in the work was, is, is a way in which at least the art world can open itself up to a, essentially a non-white, non-Eurocentric, uh, classist perspective. You know, I don't want, I don't want people to feel outside 
of this work. I want there to be an entry point. Mm -hmm. I want it to be clear that the images that I use are appropriated. They're not mine. And so, you know, I'm in a way, you know, taking back images and using stuff that's very uncomfortable, destroying it, putting it back together. And you can do that too. I love that sense of belonging. I'm so excited. I feel so excited now to go participate in this exhibit. I'm glad to hear about the experience that you both have had and that it's been so positive. I think it will be nice to walk into this exhibit knowing that it was like built in such harmony. Um, Cause again, I don't know why I have such like an antagonistic relationship with museums sometimes, but I, I just do, I like kind of carry that. And so I'm really excited to be a part of this. Thank you both so much for building this space and sharing it with our community and for your time today, talking with me and sharing your stories and your personal journeys with this work. I really appreciate it. And we'll certainly encourage everyone we possibly can to, to visit this exhibit and, um, and to be part of it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. A little news before we go. You may have heard about this when the study came out, but in 2018, the Urban Indian Health Institute found that Salt Lake is ranked among the top 10 cities for reported cases of missing and murdered indigenous relatives. According to the report, Salt Lake currently has 24 cases. The study lays bare dysfunction at all levels of government in reporting and investigating these cases, which is why that number 24 is almost certainly a steep undercount. Two years ago, a task force was created in Utah to investigate this ongoing crisis. Of course, the pandemic significantly slowed their work, but during the 2022 legislative session, $135,000 was allocated for the task force. They're planning to travel to all nine recognized tribal communities in Utah and research where and how the state can make improvements to its criminal justice and social service systems to prevent violence against Indigenous women and girls. In our conversation today, Danae brings up the coalition she works for, Restoring Ancestral Winds. And I just want to say, they were heavily involved in the creation of this task force. Their organization's work goes deep in addressing the systemic causes of the violence against Indigenous women, and you can find them on Instagram at Restoring Ancestral Winds. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. In the wake of the legislative session, you might have noticed we've been really leaning into conversations with local creators. Personally, I've been enjoying it, and I wonder if you have been too shoot us an email, let me know. Also, let me know if there are any musicians, artists, poets, or any other creators you think we should talk to next. Saltlake.citycast.fm is where to find us. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Bye. Bye.